0: Vegas, baby! And, and, you know, just very fittingly, as we are back, another edition of Kevin's Corner, a man who is fresh off a trip to the (laughs) city of sin is joining us. It's a big one Sunday. Colts and Raiders Allegiant Stadium, the palace that is out there, 4 o'clock kick. We're back, another edition of The Corner. We've gone to Old Faithful, um, your favorite 7-iron, you know, just the exact club you turn to when the swing needs a groove. It is Ross Lover's. My younger brother-in-law joining us here on the corner. Ross, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me back. Um, Excited to be here with your listeners. You've had some great
1: fill-ins with uh, with your brother Ryan and Mark these last few weeks. Hopefully, Chris is feeling a little bit better, but...
0: um, Happy to fill in and hope we can keep your fans engaged here for the next hour or so. I love it. Um, You've been great. Uh, We've done this in Florida. We've done this in Northern Indiana. We now do it at the Bowen household. And again, a a big one. I feel like I've said that now for about the last three or four weeks, but that's life in the NFL um, when you're a team that's eight and four. And even though there's seven playoff spots in the AFC this year, it's crazy just how this conference has really divided itself from top to bottom and, um, it is a big one. Big 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 one. Uh I believe it's Ian Eagle and Charles Davis on the call Sunday at 4:05 again in that CBS slot. We'll talk Pro Bowl a little bit today on the pod. I know that might sound crazy, but uh, Pro Bowl voting is ends next week. Yes, wow. there's no Pro Bowl this year, but and, and while I think Pro Bowl voting is an absolute farce and you know we can get into that later, I also uh, realize that players it means a whole lot to make the Pro Bowl. I mean, you have contract incentives. um, You know, It's a big deal to these guys. So, yes, while the game itself and the voting uh, makes me laugh and sometimes cry, it's still a big deal. So I want to go over that a little bit. A lot of Twitter questions we didn't get to on Monday, so we will get back to those as well. And then three keys uh, for the Colts and Raiders. Three-point favorite, last I saw. I think it's at Um, two and a half now. Two and a half, down to two and a half. Uh, Ross is our bookie here (laughs) uh, for Kevin's Corner, so all DMs to him for uh, any insight there. I do think we had a question this week. Yeah, we got a few gambling questions today, which I love. Yeah, Ross has got the it, so let's get into it, man. Cool. So, yeah, like
1: you said, that time of year, Pro Bowl voting. We're going to go through two categories here, those that you think will make it or should make it, and then those that might likely get snubbed uh, and and won't make it. So let's start with those that you think will make it uh, on the roster.
0: Yeah, pretty obvious after last week, DeForest Buckner, um, I thought, you know, he was uh, pretty candid as well, meeting the media earlier in the week, talking about how he was asymptomatic, which we all know with that ten-day absence. And his wife couldn't be more happy to get him out of the house <laughs> that. after watching him during that Tennessee game. And you know, imagine how mad he is watching Derrick Henry do what he did. And you know, I know I said it a little bit on Monday, but man, it's just—I, I'm not sure I've seen an athlete the size of DeForest Buckner. Really, in quite some time. I mean, 6'7", 300, and yet he moves and moves for 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. Like, watch that dude play in the fourth quarter. He's moving out of different gear. He's moving like Kenny Moore moves. Uh, I I, selfishly, I was glad to see him get some, you know, like actual um, uh, padded stats and just like getting sacks. You know, he has so many quarterback hits this year, but to get a couple sacks. On that resume is key to like win these awards and get to a Pro Bowl and be All Pro because unfortunately, I do think there's a bias against the Indianapolis Colts just because the lack of primetime games and all of that. But Quentin Williams, Chris Jones, DeForest Buckner, to me, it's not very hard. He is a definite Pro Bowler. He's just one of those guys too that makes people around him better, which sometimes
1: will get missed in Pro Bowl voting. Right, right, right. because he doesn't have those stats that you just alluded to. And all year long, it's just a clear absence when he's not not on the field.
0: For sure. And, like, those stats mean, you know, arguably even more. But it's just tough for, like, when you get into the voting aspect of things, sometimes, unfortunately, all people look at is, like, sacks, tackle for loss. Sure. And then move on. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's kind of hard to know the full story. We know it. But it, it, it's good for DeForest. Only one Pro Bowl to his name so far, which, again, is another crime. But uh, he is a slam dunk lock and should be uh, this year. Another man
1: who uh, probably should have more Pro Bowls to his name and uh, one that the listeners know you love, Kenny
0: Moore. Yeah, you know, it's a shame last year you guys know full well what I think. Um, I think it's big for guys like Buckner and Moore, maybe even Justin Houston, Ross, that like they, they showed up so well last week, you know, yeah. and as you get into this December aspect to it, um, you know, Kenny Moore, not the most eye-popping stats, but... He just makes plays in multiple ways, open field tackles, his ability to blitz, pressure quarterbacks, and the interception he had on Brandon Cooks was, um, I, I, I still don't know how he made that interception, to be honest with you, on Sunday. So um, he deserves it. Uh, I, I don't even think he was an alternate last year, which I remember when I heard that, I was like, man, I'd cover this team, which means I'm very objective, but I like want to throw something against the wall. Yeah. Like, you know, how are people... Not acknowledging what Kenny Moore is doing. So he is in the should will make it category as well. Awesome.
1: One man that hasn't had the year we expected, but probably will make it just on his resume and merit alone, Quentin Nelson.
0: Yeah, and again, when Nelson has done this first two seasons, is he's played at a Hall of Fame level, but that doesn't all of a sudden mean that a drop in play and he shouldn't be a pro bowler. Like, yes, yeah. he's taken a step back, and, and really I think Darius slender falls in this category. Neither of them have played at, you know, gold jacket first ballot, which is absurd that that's the sort of standard they put out there the first two years, but absurd. they did. Absurd. Yes, yes, very. Yeah. Um, I still think, you know, when you look at the guards around the AFC, Quentin Nelson's one of the three best. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if you look at this pass protection unit, I mean, it's still been really, really good. And yes, Philip Rivers has helped out that unit. Um, but I think that helps Nelson out, and, and you're, you've gotten to the point now with Nelson and even Leonard is like name recognition is going to start to be there. So yeah. like, even if people just are filling out a ballot and don't even look at anything in depth wise, Nelson's going to make it. Mm-hmm. And so I think he I think he deserves it. You know, again, not as break the glass Shaquille O'Neal slam dunk, but he um, he still
1: deserves it. Definitely a lot of recency bias in the Indianapolis right. market with, with Quentin and Darius Leonard,
0: who's also on this list of people that you think should and will make it. You know, I'll be honest, Ross. I um, I went a little bit back and forth about Leonard being a slam dunk. He's got two sacks, five tackles for loss, and one forced turnover. You know, that's not what we're used to yeah. from him. And so, like, at first glance, um, and I don't know, maybe Leonard – would admit this or not at first glance I'm like it has been the quietest year Mm -hmm. of his three seasons in the NFL which is all in perspective but I think it should be stated and then I took those numbers knowing full well he's missed two games and like looked them up and compared them to other people in the AFC and I'm like oh shit I mean he's still I mean who else The, the the Klein kid from Buffalo um you know Tremaine Edmonds maybe again but that's you know more of a Bills bias you know, when you look at what Pittsburgh, unfortunately, the Deion Bush injury, you know, was huge for them. Kansas City's defense is not something that you really rave about. Um, most of the linebackers are outside guys. Mm-hmm. So when you think off-ball linebackers in the inside, Darius Leonard still deserves to be a pro bowler.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, now, linebacker voting can be a bit odd. Again, Leonard saw that firsthand as his, his rookie year when he wasn't a pro bowler, which is the biggest crime in the history of pro bowl voting. But... I I did end up sliding him into this category of you know kind of definites for me and and someone that if one of these four don't make it Buckner Moore Nelson Leonard that is an issue so I I, I consider four guys locks in my mind to make it.
1: Question for you, Kev: how, how does social media voting play into these? Because you have people like Darius Leonard who are very loud on their social media platforms you know, retweet this, repost this to vote for me for the Pro Pro Bowl, excuse me, but then you have Quentin Nelson, who's non-existent. Does that play in a lot into them actually getting into these, you know, these accolades?
0: Yeah, you know, Pro Bowl voting is a third fan, a third coaches, and a third players. So I I guess we probably should have said that off the start. You know, some people might be a little bit confused about how people get voted into the Pro Bowl. All pro is strictly media Mm -hmm. um, for that. So... Yeah, I do think social media certainly helps. I mean, I guess I'll just get into it right now. Rodrigo Blankenship is leading fan voting, and that could not be more of a joke. Look, (laughs) we all love Hot Rod. Right. Yeah, and and the personality is awesome, but the dude is ninth in field goal percentage in the AFC, ninth in extra point percentage in the AFC. So I mean, it's like, and usually the Colts have all of these situations go against them. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the one time... The Colts have had this personality that, I don't know, maybe McAfee fell into this category, but McAfee was a damn good punter. And, like, Hot Rod's had a really solid year. Like, I don't want this to come off of uh, that I'm ripping Hot Rod. It's simply, like, there is a – pro bowler means something. Justin Tucker, I mean, for those of you that maybe bet on the Ravens last night and, I don't know, needed more points, I don't know why you would need more than they scored. But, yes, Justin Tucker showed he was human on one kick, Mm -hmm. but the dude falls out of bed and he's a pro bowler. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's where you get into some of these – issues of, like, okay, the fans will vote Hot Rod in. Every coach and every player knows Justin Tucker is the best kicker in the AFC, and there's several kickers Mm -hmm. you'd put into the Pro Bowl ahead of Hot Rod. I will say this. I think it's incredibly awkward for teams, Ross, that, like, have to promote players to the Pro Bowl. And, like, you know there's some people in the building, player-wise, that are like, why aren't you promoting me to the Pro Bowl? Mm -hmm. And the social media team wants to be like, well, you have one sack and you have one tackle for loss – and that ranks 57th in the NFL. And yet, like, the other two guys in the position room, you know, are, are getting this social media pub. Yeah. That's, like, a little bit awkward there um, for, for teams and whatnot, and that's why you see the teams promote so many people, which, you know, you it, know. it can get a bit exhausting. So, yep. yeah. Hot Rod's got SEC country behind him, too. Which, that's a great point. Which uh, I'm sure yeah. is helping a lot in fan voting. No, that's, that's, that's a really, really good point.
1: Um, okay, Hot Rod is on the list of, of could – likely make it um or could likely uh or won't make it excuse me um another guy Braden smith who probably
0: doesn't get a lot of national attention yeah and, and that's why i don't yeah. think he'll make it ross i mean i i think he's a damn good football player for the colts and you know think about jj watt on sunday w- where did you notice watt making plays it wasn't really opposite Braden smith it was you know when they put him over on jazz green or you know when Somehow the Colts were like, yeah, Jack Doyle, he's going to block JJ Watt one on one. You know, that's just, that, that's, that's not going to be a win. It's, Braden Smith to me um, deserves the, the, this sort of honor. Again, he won't get it. And part of the reason too with offensive linemen, and I probably should double check this, but I'm 90% sure, you just vote three tackles in. It's not like you vote a right tackle into the game and, you know, it's not like all pro Two left tackle. Right, 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 right. This is just kind of, you group the tackles, you group the guards together, well, they're probably just going to vote, I don't know, three left tackles into the game or something like that. So, mm-hmm. I, I think Braden Smith falls on the deserving but not enough attention, therefore he won't be a pro bowler. Someone who might not be as deserving because
1: DeForest Buckner has made him better but his stats are pretty off, off the charts is Justin Houston.
0: Yeah, um... So I guess I ripped Justin Houston on last week's podcast. So when he had three sacks on Sunday, my mentions were being flooded. And honestly, if Darius Leonard probably would have had that game and I would have ripped Leonard, Leonard probably would have come <laughs> come back at me. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, Justin Houston, I don't think, does social media very much. Um, I did find it interesting slash um, reassuring slash I appreciated Justin Houston's candor today. He was pretty honest and like, I've had one of my worst seasons in a while in consistency, consistently applying pressure. And that's basically what I'm getting at here. He has seven and a half sacks, which is a notable number. I mean, seven Mm -hmm. and a half sacks through 12 games. I mean, he's on pace for another double-digit sack season. And his ability to stay healthy, I think, is something that has been huge for his two seasons here in Indy because he really struggled staying on the field in Kansas City there late. Especially, what's he, 32. Yeah, he'll be 32 32? in January, yeah. um, you know, playing in a contract year. But this is what I'm getting at here. Like, seven and a half sacks. Okay, that's notable. You know, Miles Garrett and Stefan Tuitt are probably locks. But then, you know, Emmanuel Ogba for the Dolphins, Joey Bosa for the Chargers. Like, he probably falls into that group. But, again, from a consistency pressure standpoint, uh, when, when Houston said that, I went and looked it up. He's got seven and a half sacks again. That's 11th in the NFL. So you know, a nice pat on the back for that. He only has, I think it's, I think it's 11 quarterback hits total. That's 41st in the NFL. Huh. So again, that like gets back to the point of what Houston made, which I so appreciate his candor and being like, consistently, I haven't gotten it done this year. So he might get it just based off name recognition because people around the league know know him. But I'm sorry, he's not one of the top three, four rushers in the AFC this season. Absolutely. Rounding it out, uh, we're going to move to the secondary for the last
1: two guys here. One person that we certainly would have signed up for to be a part of this conversation at the beginning of the year, Xavier
0: Rhodes. Yeah, huge man. He's been so big for this team. You know, a little bit quieter in the production category as of late, which, you know, is not how we should totally evaluate corners. That can be a good thing when you're quiet, that means quarterbacks aren't looking to throw towards you um i I think he's pretty deserving ross but you know when you look at Xavier and howard having eight picks jc jackson for the patriots having five um you know denzel ward has name recognition as a former top five pick and you talk about georgia nation you know ohio state and browns nation they Mm -hmm. don't mess around either so he might be on the outside looking in but he, he he's a name that that i think should be in the mix was he a pro bowler in minnesota he was. He actually was a Pro Bowler last year, which adds to the farsity, the, um, if that's a word, mm-hmm. of Pro Bowl voting because he ranked like 130 in passer rating. So yeah, I mean, he's got name recognition similar to Houston. I think he's a three-time Pro Bowler, was all pro. Um, so yeah, he definitely deserves it more than he did last year, to be honest with you, but I'm not 100% sure he'll, uh, he'll get in. Last one here,
1: and one that I think probably will be the biggest snub, but I would say most of Indy has that feeling because just of the spark he brings, is Julian Blackman.
0: Yeah, and and, you know, listeners fully fully realize what I think of Julian Blackman, where I believe he falls in the Defensive Rookie of the Year list, all of those things, but safety is the deepest position in the AFC. Mika Fitzpatrick, Jesse Bates, Tyron Matthew. Matthew I, I assume he's listed as a safety I mean hell he does everything yeah. in the in, in the secondary for the Chiefs you know Kevin Byard for for Tennessee you know even some of the teams that just suck like Marcus May for the Jets um, Justin Simmons for the Broncos I mean it, it's just a loaded loaded group so he needs to be in the conversation but I fully fully expect that he will not be a pro bowler. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the end of the world to me, because again, it is a really deep position group and some of those guys are extremely deserving to be in there. I'll have the bigger gripe if he's left off, you know, defensive rookie teams, or, you know, if Jeremy Chin is a unanimous defensive rookie of the year, Fisher's grad, which is crazy that Fisher's High School has produced a huh, potential defensive rookie of the year. Um, if, you know, Chin runs away with it, because Blackman deserves At some point there has to be a you are producing like this on one of the better defenses in the league. And yes, the Colts have regressed a bit defensively, which I kind of thought they would, but still, like they are, you know, in that mix as one of the top, you know, ten ish units in the league. And, you know, ultimately if you win the AFC South or, you know, you're a top four seed, I think that matters as well. I think team success, especially when Blackman entered the lineup. I mean, I'm willing to bet if you replay that Jacksonville game with Julian Blackman in there, the Colts win that game. Um, that might be a bit of a bold statement, but I don't think Gardner Minshew goes 19 to 20 with Julian Blackman in there. So, so yeah, Ross, I I got those four. Like I said, Moore, Buckner, uh, Nelson, and who was my other Leonard. F- Leonard. That 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 I would consider locks. The other ones, you know, you can make some interesting cases for. But Pro Bowl fan voting ends. I think it's next Friday, and um, I think players and coaches vote after that as well. Awesome. Ready for some Twitter questions?
1: Yes, let's do it. All right, let's hop in. First one from Matt here. Uh, I was curious about Naeem Hines last week. Uh, was he benched after getting visibly upset on the sideline after his return was called back for the second time?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna say no, definitely no. I mean, he was pissed, rightfully so. You know, he had the big return get called back. I think it was a Zaire Franklin hold, and mm-hmm. then the and then the um, then the safety hold on Anthony Walker. But I, I just think simply, Jonathan Taylor got going in the fourth and you weren't in this kind of, whatever, up-tempo, pass-focused approach like you had in the first half. Now, I mean, the Colts threw it you know, a ton in the first half, but I think Taylor got going, and Frank Reich realized, wait, Jonathan Taylor, during a 40-minute stretch, the, the the game's only 60 minutes long, folks. During a 40-minute stretch, Jonathan Taylor had one carry in that football game. Like, that could not happen. So I think it was ride Taylor... Late, I, no, there was no benching for a, a a pouting Naeem Hines. Moving on to Aaron
1: here. He asks, hey, KB, really happy with 8-4. and four. That said, the inconsistency of this team is alarming, as well as the ill-timed crushing penalties the last few weeks. Is a one win in the playoffs our ceiling this year?
0: Yeah, I, I would say right now, yes. You know, you guys have heard me talk. I think it's key for this team to get home field. Um, you know, I'm a big matchup-driven person in the month of January. And I also acknowledge this. A whole lot can change in a month, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the Steelers right now from an injury standpoint. I tell
1: you what, that was a that was big for the Colts. I mean, I'd so much rather play Pittsburgh, you know, in
0: January than going to to Arrowhead, again, right? You know, and, and if Kansas City can you know finish above them in the standings, that's 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 what would happen. Kansas mm-hmm. City would get that buy, and then Pittsburgh would slot into that two seed. So you you look at some of the injuries the Steelers are starting to pile up right now. You know, again, who knows what'll happen here you know, the next four weeks? I I also say like not all eight and four teams are on the same ground you know I'm a big believer in like you got to look at schedules you got to look at point differential you got to look at individual games you know just things like you got to look deeper than just straight up records like I feel better about the Rams or the Seahawks as eight and four teams than I do the Colts the Colts have played you know one of the easier schedules in the NFL but I think Aaron makes a point here it's the inconsistency Mm -hmm. you know right now for me to say the Colts win Definitely win a game slash potentially multiple games. Your special teams needs to continue to do the crazy stuff they've done this season. They have literally outplayed the other team special teams seemingly every week. And you can't have the short yardage issue like you did on Sunday. And you gotta stay healthy. So right now that is my ceiling. Um and I think a best case scenario is play the Browns, Titans, or um, or Dolphins. Time will tell. Creighton asks,
1: T.Y. is making $14.5 million this season. What do you think the Colts would be willing to pay him to come back next?
0: Yeah, Creighton, it's a good question. I I probably need to crunch some numbers um, during the offseason on this. I I think right around $10 million. It, It was interesting listening to Frank Reich talk today about T.Y. and how passionate Frank was about T.Y. as a teammate. And a lot of people will overlook that quote and move on. But I think Frank, given his offensive background and Chris Ballard, with how much he is just locker room, nth degree, T.Y. is not a diva wideout. Mm -hmm. He is not. I mean, folks, you know, wideouts, they just are nuts. They are absolutely crazy. T.Y. is not that guy. And I think that matters. I think that uh, is attractive to the Colts. And I think it matters, especially when you have a running back or, or, or a wideout that's on the back nine of his career, which you know Ty certainly is. I don't think it's you know Jack Nicholas walking up 18 in the year 2000 or something like that. But you have to have a receiver that realizes where he's at and is he willing to still be a good teammate? And I think Ty is more so than other wideouts. So um, a pay cut is needed, but yeah, I'm just I'm not slamming that door shut and. I know it's a fine line between like okay, you know Ty for ten million or a Kenny Galladay for I don't know I'm throwing out numbers here fourteen or fifteen or Smith Schuster in the same boat like that's tough I mean you got to sit in a room and, and, and that's difficult I'd probably get a little greedy there and and, and try the younger but I fully acknowledge that I, I still think Ty Hilton can play good football and is an important guy for the locker room and I think the Colts believe that which ultimately is all that matters. We'd just love to see him in his career in Indy. You know? Yeah, agree. I mean, trust me. I, I, you know me. Yeah. I, I love Sentimental. I love Storybook. I love Hollywood. Robert Mathis, Curtain Call, you know, all that stuff. Ian Book doing the Curtain Call on Saturday against mm-hmm. Syracuse, you know, you know, got me getting a little emotional, which <laughs> please don't tell that <laughs> Um All right. Dalton yeah. asks, how large of a factor will Phillip Rivers' off-season surgery be in bringing him back? You know, I, I've – talk to a few people just kind of medical wise and, and they act like it's not that big of a deal. Um, you know, I don't think this is like fully Adam Vinatieri situation where 48 years old and every little injury is going to matter a whole lot more to his body than it is to a hot rods body or something like that. Um, now I will say that father time has literally caught up to everyone Mm -hmm. and, you wonder if slash when Rivers is ever going to hit that wall. I mean, the dude's incredible for how much he's played, but just look at the play he got hurt on. I mean, he is attempting a block <laughs> and literally, you know, looks like Rosie Bo trying to, you know, find her passy and, and, and pitch black. <laughs> and all of a sudden that toe has caused him to miss three straight Wednesday practices. And now he needs surgery. Like, and we obviously laugh at it, but in all seriousness, Like, what happens when, like, the dude gets seriously hit on a play? You know, that's where I think I wonder a little bit. So, Dalton, to answer your question, I don't think it'll be a deciding factor. I still think he'll be brought back. But, I don't know. Maybe it's a couple million dollars, as crazy as that sounds. I don't know. Maybe it's something along those lines. Uh, But unless he takes a total drop-off right now, I can't see it impacting things too much. I will say this, and I thought Rich Gannon pointed out pretty well on Sunday. I mean, you watch the Colts lately. It's not a lot of five, seven step. Let's get Rivers to the top of the drop and him fling it. So the Raiders have a terrible pass rush. So it might not matter this week, but you know, when you play, if Costanza going to miss more time and you need Chaz green in the game, you know, how much does this passing game get scaled back? Because, you know, Rivers got rid of the ball faster than anybody in the NFL on Sunday. And there's a reason for that. And one is injury to him and one is injury to the left tackle. So that is just some honest conversations that probably need to be had. Absolutely.
1: Going going to uh, Jake's question here. Jake asks, this game, meaning the, the, the Texans game last week, uh, was a, a loss in dang near every category, but a win is a win, and, and we'll take that. Is it time to scrap the running back by committee and use only Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines? Jordan Wilkins was awful, in his opinion.
0: Yeah, Jake. Um, I don't know about Wilkins being awful, but his numbers weren't great. Yeah, it probably is pretty close to that. You know, if I'm dividing up carries, and for all the fantasy people out there getting ready to play the playoffs, uh, for those that care, which I know you all do, Kevin Bowen <laughs> 0 for two in both of his fantasy leagues. Um, <laughs> no shock there. I don't know if I won a single game in my in our uh, Kevin's corner fantasy league. So I, I don't know. I think I maybe beat Chris Presley. That was about it. Uh, anyways, Taylor eighteen, Ross eighteen to twenty carries. The Raiders are not a good run defense team. I think it's an area that you can exploit a bit, and so um, that is something that I would like to see on Sunday. I still want Hines to get the double digit touches. So what's that? handful of carries, handful of catches. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good with me. Uh, what are you up to? Twenty five carries at that point. You know, twenty three carries. That's probably the sweet spot. You know, maybe Wilkins for a couple of carries. You know, if Wilkins gets one series a half, it's not the end of the world. I I don't necessarily love it, but, and and trust me, if you listen to a December 9th Kevin's Corner, a November 9th Kevin's Corner, October 9th, you will have heard me say different things about the running back rotation throughout the season. That is life in the NFL for over half the NFL teams with how they handle that running back room. Like, things happen over the course of a season. Guys get hot. Guys don't you know, develop quite as much as as you would. You know, Trent Richardson experiments. Wow. Oh geez, okay, that's not working. Here's Boom Heron. Here's, you know, R.I.P. Zerlan Tipton. Like it, it, it's crazy how things can evolve. And I think right now, with what Jonathan Taylor has given you the last six quarters of him on the football field, he is the lead back for this football team. And and honestly it would be a big mistake by Frank Reich and Company if they didn't treat him like that on Sunday. Four weeks ago, we were talking about Wilkins being the starter. Now we're yeah, talking seriously. about him being benched, and, and, and again, deservedly so. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, there were there was merit for that, there was reason for that, but things happen over the course of the season. And Jonathan Taylor, you know, credit to him and credit to the staff. You guys have heard me talk about it before. Naeem Hines dropped so many punts that first preseason, and almost I mean, people were acting like he might get cut. Mm-hmm. But yet, Naeem Hines' character and willing to bounce back from that. You know, it sounds so cliche, but that will not define my career, all that. Like, that's true. And what you heard about Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin is, you know, the team playing lands from Columbus, and he's not going to, you know, whatever, the the, the sports or the Kilroys of Madison, he's going to the ice bath, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which there is a high character element in a guy that certainly realized he needed to make some improvements. I think the coaching staff has done a nice job playing to his strengths as well. And uh, he deserves it right now. Agreed.
1: Going to Dara. I think it's pronounced Dara. Yeah, D-A- he's from Ireland. Okay, Dara from Ireland, across the pond. If the season ends today, who would make All-Pro? Um, in his opinion, DeForest Buckner, Hot Rod, uh, have a good chance of making first team. Um, interesting, the Hot Rod in there. Um, and then Julian Blackman, Xavier Rhodes, and Kenny Moore might also be in the running.
0: Over under seven and a half years before we go to Ireland to play golf. Under. That sounds awesome. Please. uh, Yes. Depends on how many kids you have. Yeah. Well, and geez, you, you too. Come on now. Um, All right, Derek, uh, you know, I love you and I appreciate your questions. Hot rod making first team all pro. um, That would be one of the biggest jokes in the history of the all pro. You've heard me talk about that. So I'll move on um, already. Buckner. Good chance. I think, you know, Chris Jones and Quentin Williams, let's not ignore. They've had some good seasons. So, Mm -hmm. Now again, I think team success should matter a little bit when you're talking all pro. So I think maybe that's the difference between a Buckner over a Quinn and Williams, something like that. Um Kenny Moore and Xavier Rose are interesting to me. You know, you guys told you guys heard me talk about Julian Blackman and those safeties, so I, I think it might be difficult there. But you know, as far as all pro, I'd probably rank them Buckner more and probably Nelson, you know, it'll probably be more of a second team. And I guess Leonard, I mean, if you're going to go off ball linebackers again, and you're going to weigh it on production, there are some good NFC off ball linebackers that I should mention. Uh, That also plays into the difference in all pro, but yeah, I mean, literally if hot rod makes all pro Colleen Bowen is, is, is picking the all pro (laughs) team and is, you know, you know, likes him because her son wears glasses and so does hot rod. Mm -hmm. Like you said, a lot can happen in a month too. You're right.
1: Yep. Fair. Um, going to Devin here loves the podcast and your coverage. He Appreciate asked, that, Devin. He asked, "Does Jacoby's role in short yardage
0: is that worth money going forward? Or is that just something we're making work this year? Do you expect him to be back?" You know, Ross, questions that I would have laughed at three months ago. Questions that I don't laugh at anymore. Mm-hmm. This is um, this is a really good point that Devin makes. Let me make this abundantly clear, though. I don't know if I've ever been around an athlete more self-confident in himself than Jacoby Brissett. And and I mean that in all seriousness. He is a very, very, um, he's bullish on his own career, which is awesome. Like, that's great. I think that's a big quality to have as an athlete or honestly probably a human being in general. But what I'm getting at here is he thinks he should start in the NFL and thinks he deserves that opportunity. In all likelihood, that's not coming here. So, it's his decision, too, in free agency. Like, again, you guys always hear me say this. This is a two-way street. Um, So, it's two sides to this. I have a feeling he will want to try and make it happen somewhere else. Now, having said that, it's similar to the Hilton thing. I feel like the Colts would love to have him back. Now, what do the books look like contractually? You know, Brissett is, what, 27, 28? I mean... You know, a two- or three-year deal somewhere else to compete for a starting job might be more enticing than the Colts bringing him back on a one-year deal. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, I don't want to overlook, or or excuse me, I, I would say, you know, underlook his role right now in this football team. I didn't find this stat. This is from Nat Newell, who's one of the editors over at the Indy Star. It was incredible to me. You guys heard me talk about fourth and one on Monday. It was a joke that Jacoby Brissett was not on the field. I I don't get that at all. And then when I saw the stat that Nat Newell had, I'm like, holy bleep. Like, since 2018, Frank Reich head coach, third and one, fourth and one. Jacoby Brissett 15 times running the football on third and one or fourth and one. What do you think, Ross? How how many conversions? 13. 15, folks. Whoa. 15. He is 100%. That is from Nat Newell from The Star. Dude just falls forward. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> and his effort is incredible, and obviously 6'4", 230 helps. But, like, and this is getting me down the fourth and one road, and I promise I won't stay on it long, but if you're going to preach analytics, fine. I get it. You go for it there. Where are the analytics that just say Jacoby Brissett's 15 for 15? You at least have, have to have him on the field. So what I'm getting at is there is a valuable role for him currently. Do I think a backup quarterback that comes in for short yardage should be paid 15 million dollars? Hell no. So that's why I would probably say no, Devin. and I also think Bursett wants to move on, but you know I'm not uh, I'm gonna wait till March. <laughs> like this is not something that I'll, I'll totally write off.
1: Another major factor into this question is is we've been very vocal as an organization, or maybe you've been very vocal that the importance of finding the you know the person to hand the keys over right for, in the quarterback position is crucial. If we make a move in the off season and have Rivers come back to either mentor that person or he wants to come back, there might just not be room
0: for Jacoby. That that is a good point as well, and you know what's tough, Ross, too, is like this decision has to come a month and a half before the draft. Yeah, and that's where things get awkward because you never, and you guys have heard me tell this story. I think Ross, you you and I have talked about this. The Saints were literally moments away from drafting Patrick Mahomes, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, Kansas City comes trading up, and now it's Patrick Mahomes for the Chiefs, and it's Marshawn Lattimore for the Saints. Think about those two franchises in different ways. You know, what happens if then someone comes clamor Or, you know, maybe the Saints sit there and say, you know, I don't know, Deshaun Watson. You know, something like – it's so crazy how the draft works. The Colts have the card in for Clay Matthews. And here comes the Patriots – or uh, here comes the Packers trading up. And they never trade up. And they take Clay Matthews. I mean, you imagine those late – Manning years with Clay mm-hmm. Matthews coming off the edge, yeah, you know, passing the torch from Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney to Clay Matthews would have been pretty seamless. So mm-hmm. um, that is what is so wild about it all, and that's why we love the NFL. Sure. Okay, long one from Marvin here.
1: Uh, he says, Marvin, hey, Marvin, mm. um, yeah, Marvin Harrison. Uh, he says, Hey, Kevin, hope you and the family are doing well, and Chris is feeling better himself. And all caps, great win for the boys in blue. Know about great, but it was a good win. Proud of how everyone's fought and dug deep and found a way to win. After Tennessee's disaster last week, we are both tied for the divisions, but the Titans have the edge up due to their divisional record. Tennessee's 3-1, and Indies 2-2. Two and two. Jacksonville game is going to come back to haunt us. Very true, Marvin. How crucial will that game be for the standing at the end of the season? He's alluding to that Jacksonville game
0: uh very you know Mm -hmm. i what's our guy primus primus uh mentioned on monday or wednesday it's a bad one night stand Mm -hmm. i mean and i mean it's as bad as it gets it's Mm -hmm. um, yeah i don't know you don't have money to go to cvs or whatever and 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 yeah we won't go deeper into that but it's it's bad man it's uh yep it it it, it, it's where you're at right now Mm -hmm. and why the tiebreakers so many of them aren't in your favor so then he continues and says, which games
1: do you think Tennessee could lose, either divisional or non-divisional, that will help us secure first in the South?
0: So Tennessee's got um, the Jags, the Texans, the Lions, and the Packers. Not in that order, but that's what they have left. Um, I was looking at it today. The Colts have the fourth easiest schedule to close out the year. Ironically enough, Tennessee is the third easiest schedule to close out the year. What I see there, though, Ross, in those four games of Tennessee – I see three pretty darn good quarterbacks. I mean, Stafford and the Lions, Watson and the Texans, and then obviously Packers with Rodgers. Those are better quarterbacks than the Colts are going to see. Yeah, I mean, the Colts are going to see Watson, but Big Ben is not like MVP Big Ben, and Derek Carr is, you know, still related to David Carr. So, (laughs) um, I think Tennessee could lose, you know, to the Texans. I think they could lose to the Lions. I don't, you know, I think Tennessee's a good football team, but like, when you are so focused on the run game, I don't know. Maybe you just aren't as impressive or or as big of a lock as you should be. So, um, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think they could lose honestly any of those games. Probably not named Jacksonville. I think they need to go two and two. They go two and two, we have a shot at the AFC South. Yeah, I mean that would be three and one, and you know maybe lose to Pittsburgh. I guess. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, yeah, I would say two and two. That leaves your margin for it. It just comes back to how big Sunday is, man. Yep, it's um, huge game. Yeah
1: um okay last thing he asks is uh any good fan duel bets on the colts including props this week oh wow is this you Uh, is this an alias for you
0: (laughs) marvin yeah no i
1: don't ask for your advice on bets wow (laughs) man (laughs) Uh,
0: i'm just kidding oh but no seriously he really doesn't um he just gives me locks um i mean what do you got wait uh, colts you say two and a half what 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 do you
1: think um, we'll get into predictions later. I think the Colts cover. I think the over is a lock. I think in the what, dome. What's that at? I think it's fifty-one. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I think you know in the dome uh, or in whatever that spaceship yeah. they they oh, call it? out there. Um, I, I think the uh, the offenses are going to show up.
0: Yeah. Okay. My locks, uh, Marvin, for the week. I like Iowa's football program. I I kind of forget what the spread is, but I don't think Wisconsin's very good. Um, NFL. I I like the Dolphins to cover Kansas City. That's seven points. Some wow. might disagree with that. I think Miami's just a good football team, and just like a like a solid football team. I don't know if they're gonna win a bunch in January, but I just don't look at them as like getting run off the field. Mm-hmm. All righty. Uh,
1: Chris asks, how do we feel about Eberflus, the head coach? You got any starting? locks? You
0: got to give Marvin a lock.
1: Uh, I did give him a lock. The over Colts over. He he asked for locks in the Colts game. Right. Marvin, I'm saying go heavy. Heavy, I'm saying multiple units on the Colts Raiders over. Marvin, I also like Chargers over Falcons. Okay, uh, moving forward, we got some more gambling down the line here, but moving forward to Chris, how do we feel about making Eberflus the head coach in 2021?
0: No, no, this is not Bruce Arians, Chuck Pagano, you know, it's... All I hear, I think of all the things that make fans mad, slow starts might be near the top of the list. Have you seen the defense in the last couple months? Like, no. Aggression over non-aggression, Frank Reich over over Matt, Matt Eberflus. Rather have my offense in place. You guys know how I feel about that. It's
1: just the way the NFL works these days. Yeah. Um, yes. All right, Conroy. Conroy asks, when Jonathan Taylor played his first 10-ish games this year, it looked like he was too anxious to get running and, and ran into blocks of tacklers and things of that nature. And the games against the Texans, it looked like uh, what you said, that his de- his decision-making uh, was a bit more patient and allowed the blocks to develop. Is he picking that up from vets
0: like Mac or Hines? Yeah, I think he is. You know, Marlon Mack has hung around on um, this team, which is kudos to him, and another reason why I think he should and will come back next season. Um, but like I was mentioning earlier with Taylor, that there's a character element and a willingness to get better, and like knowing he needed to get better. He's one of the he's one of the nicer individuals uh, on press conferences. I don't know what that means, but he just strikes me as a guy that. Um, isn't complacent which I think is key as well and think about Jonathan Taylor he's always had success like from game two of his freshman year nobody could tackle him at Wisconsin so like that had to be a little slap in the face you know water you know splashed into your face in the morning sort of wake-up call for him and I think he's taken that and done exactly what you would want him to do with it
1: Mm all righty Georgia asks I'm listening to your pod and thought of something They bring Jacoby Percet in for short yardage. It's his strength. It's his strength. Reich's strength is calling plays in the first 95 yards. Why not let Nick Sirianni take full control of calls inside the five? I bet we'd have less loaf of calls.
0: Ross, that's top three wildest questions awesome. I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. I, it sounds like like you know one of those um, things you could bid on at your high school's like charity event. Like you get to call a play on homecoming yeah. if you donate a thousand dollars to the football program. It's uh, principal for the day. Yeah. yeah, can you imagine like Frank Reich hold like dropping the headset and giving it to Nick Sirianni, who has never called plays in his life, on the sideline, Georgia, um, especially on the five yard line when your offense has momentum. And, and yeah, that, that. it's absolutely. Ridiculous question, but
1: please continue to listen. <laughs> All right. Daniel asks, one thing that resonates when it comes to Eberflus is uh, he's been a he's been a good coach, especially with the second half adjustments. It reminds him very much of Bruce Arians' time with the Colts, which is high praise. At that time with Bruce Arians, we had the opportunity to secure an overqualified, successful coordinator by making him overpaid in order to keep him. At that moment in time, referring to the Arians period, it didn't make sense uh, just due to the scheme and the players on the rosters. We obviously let Arians walk, and in hindsight, I'd say it was a mistake given the several coordinator changes we've had to make. I feel the same with, uh, applies to Ever We should aim to keep him uh, for several, year, several years to become before uh, another team po- po- poaches him, uh, and we uh, hope to find an equal
0: replacement. So what are your thoughts on that, comparing it to the Arians era? And, yeah, I, I just don't think it's apples to apples here, man. It's you know Bruce Arians was a coordinator in the NFL for, I, he had to have been close to about a decade before he came here to Indianapolis. I mean, he was a head coach. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, Iberflus, I need to double-check the resume. I'm pretty sure he's never been a head coach. And he's only been a coordinator for, you know, what? This is his third year as coordinator. So, you know, there are a lot of things that I I think are are attractive and what make Matt Iberflus an improved defensive coordinator because I think he's done things differently here in year three, which was needed. But I just, no, this is... um, I can't compare it to the same situation. And plus, like, Arians to Pagano. I mean, Pagano was a, right, he was only coordinator, I think, for a year, maybe two, when he took the job here. I mean, Frank Reich had been coordinator for whatever, two different stops, and had done it for six or seven years, and had called plays with the Chargers, and, you know, been a part of the Super Bowl run with the Eagles as well. Um, So, yeah, I can't, no, 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 no. And I I might be a little bit more
1: pessimistic towards this, but I don't think Iberflus is going to get snagged up by someone. No one's going to hire – if they are going to hire a defensive coordinator, I'm blanking on his name, but the guy from San
0: Francisco is atop the list. Yeah, Salah. Yeah, Robert Sala, Yeah. Um, No, I think that's a great point, Ross. You know, like I said on Monday's podcast, like I said it last week, I I do think the the Texans have some interest in Matt Iberflus, but I think there are several candidates that are higher on that list than him. But again, where are these openings going to come? Like, okay, Jets, Falcons, um, you know, obviously the Texans job is open. You know, I know I'm missing some other ones, but like this just there's not a definite like eight or nine openings and we've talked about it. It's gotta take the right owner, it's gotta take the right GM. All right,
1: I agree. Um moving forward here, um I think you got Anthony. Anthony, yep, yep, thank here, you. Yeah. Anthony, another long one here, is a longtime Colts fan from New York. Uh, Just discovered the podcast, so he loves the idea of answering Twitter DMs. Love it. Thanks, Anthony. And love that you submitted one, Anthony. His question revolves around the Colts rookie class, specifically um, Pittman, Blackman, and Taylor. And you know, because they've exceeded their expectations, what does that mean for the vets at the same position? So Mac, Hooker, Hilton—they're all in contract years, and it all seems to either have been hurt or not exceeding the expectations uh, that they that they
0: currently have. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think Mac and Hilton—you know—have chances to come back for sure, and and Hooker, no, is kind of my thought on it all it's it is fascinating though to break down some of these scenarios because at the end of the day like you need depth mm-hmm. and and that's the difficult gauge and really when the Colts have 11 or 12 starters hitting free agency man like that's really really tough to try and kind of sift through and plan Bs and Cs and Ds and E I mean it, it's going to be endless so Yes, those rookies have shown something, but I also think several of them are at positions where you need some depth and you want some veteran support in that room as well. And maybe it's short contracts. Maybe it's not these three or four year deals. Maybe it's just kind of a uh, kind of a one year deal.
1: Yeah, and Anthony does go on in this question; it's more of a statement, but you know he thinks that it definitely could open up some cap um, if we do decide to leverage that younger talent on those rookie contracts. That's a good point. So that we can extend people like Leonard and Moore and Autry. And he throws Houston in yeah, that as well. No,
0: that's a that's a very good point. And there will be some tough decisions. And honestly, some guys will probably walk, and, and people will look at it and be like, "Wait, what?" Mm-hmm. Thanks for the question, Anthony.
1: Um, all right, Doug asks, "Hey, Kevin, I have a question for the pod. With all the que- with all the issues at left tackle, why haven't the Colts uh, tried Danny Pinter? Is it Pinter or Pinter? Pinter, Pinter.
0: Uh, there, since you played the position in college, love the pod. Thanks. Yeah, that map that that might be the first time that I um. Than I ever uh, have I've said his name right, uh, Penter. Um, I've been practicing that Pinter with Pinter. Rosie uh, <laughs> before she goes to bed each night. So I I need to double check this. I'm pretty sure he only played right tackle at Ball State, along with playing tight end. So um, now I, I just got back from Colts practice. Chaz Green is practicing. What great name, Chaz, by the way. Chaz <laughs> Green is practicing. You know, he's had a back injury this year. He was able to get through the game with that. So I'd assume Chaz Green is your starter at left tackle. Emergency situation, you know, part of me thinks, what about Nelson out to left tackle, Pinter then into left guard, or Pinter over to right tackle, and then Braden Smith over to left tackle. Again, those would be kind of emergency game day sort of things that you might have to go through. And as we are... Recording this, the Colts have that open roster spot. They've put Raven Clark on injured reserve with the torn Achilles, um, which, man, you feel bad for these Achilles guys. Uh, first off, just an awful injury. Secondly, all three of them in contract years. Yeah. Clark, Hooker, and uh, Marlon Mack. So, yeah, you, you, you feel bad for them. But um, I expect them to bring in an offensive lineman. The problem is, is the protocol, I think, is six days long. So that offensive lineman that you bring in – probably won't practice much, if at all. And so, you know, how willing or open are you to have that guy dressing for you on game day? And a, an undrafted free agent is the only tackle right now in the practice squad, and that's Carter O'Donnell. So, um, again, Chaz Green, a lot of help, and just be glad that the Raiders aren't a good pass rush team. And, and, and we'll see how far Costanzo is away as well. You know, again, didn't practice on Wednesday. My gut says he misses one more, but I don't know that for sure. And knock on wood, there's no more injuries there. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that again, that is one where we talk about, you know, whoever asked that question earlier about ceiling for this team. A healthy Anthony Costanzo, that raises that ceiling. I mean, that sounds obvious, but, like, it, it was interesting listening to Naeem Hines and even Nick Nick Sirianni talking about this. Like, they maybe help Anthony Costanzo two or three times a game. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Now it's... The running backs got to think about that before they go out onto a route tree. There was a third and 10 on Sunday where they kept Heinz in. It, it might've been the one where he whiffed on it, honestly. And they kept Pittman into chip Watt at the bottom of the screen. So, you know, that meant Braden Smith. Mm-hmm. So think about that. You're chipping with Pittman. You're leaving Heinz in it's third and 10. And you have three people out on a route tree and your quarterback has a hurt toe. <laughs> like th- that's just kind of where you are right now as an offense, when you get behind the chains and you get into obvious passing situations. You talked about this last week, but it's just striking to me, the Colts record with and without Costanzo. It Um, is, um, it's wild. Mm -hmm. Anthony Costanzo should get double the contract that the Colts give him. It's, uh, It's incredible, man. Moving on here, this guy's got
1: Roman numerals um, in his name. MCM, I think that's 24. I, I think XX90. you're right. Yep, yep, yep. So, only time I looked at Who played in Super Bowl 24? Do you know? Oh, gosh, no. What's your memory of the test? Boy, Cowboy Steelers. I don't know. That's a great. I'll, I'll Chargers 49ers. I was going to say, it's probably the Joe Montana era. Yeah. Um, okay, so MCM24 asked, I just bet my friend $200 that the Colts will beat the Raiders this week. Ooh, that's a hefty bet. Man. It's a hefty unit there, MCM. Boy, um,
0: talk about a friend. <laughs> yeah,
1: I was going to say that might divide the friendship. Yeah. After uh, after watching us almost blow the game against the Texans, did I make a wise decision?
0: Well, first off, I love the gunction, <laughs> and, and I think um, Ross would wholeheartedly agree with that. You know, Ross and I get a little excited over a you know a one dollar bet of are you going to hit this par three or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I uh, boy, good for you. Did you make a wise decision? <laughs>
1: I, are the Raiders any good? I, just, I was just going to say it depends on which Raiders team shows up. And we'll talk about this a little bit when we get to the Raiders outlook, but they just play on two sides of the fence. You have the Raiders who get smashed by, you know, the Falcons, right. and then you have the Raiders that, you know, take it down to the wire with the Chiefs, beat the Chiefs. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, they have beat the Browns, the Saints, and the Chiefs. If yeah. this was a BCS, we'd be like, "Oh my gosh, those quality wins deserve I guess if it was March Madness, deserve the number one seed. But yet, the last two weeks, I'm willing to say they look like the worst team in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, they shouldn't have lost to the Jets. Should have. Or, sorry, yeah, Yeah. they should have lost to the Jets.
1: That was the most insane defensive play call I've ever seen by Greg Williams. And, you know, like I said, they got smoked by the Falcons, and they, um, you know, got beat by the Patriots earlier this year, which... um,
0: So, um, I I don't know if it was a wise bet. Yeah, I... I, (laughs) I'll say this. If um, if you got those funds, that's good for the blood flow. Yep. And, and, you know, during the winter, it keeps you warm inside. So, it, boy, uh, good luck Sunday at 4.05. Yep. And you can get even money with your
1: friend, which you want it on uh, DraftKings or FanDuel. Oh, that's a great point. Uh, all right. Brian asks, hey, man, I live in Tampa and never miss a pod. Love appreciate, that. Thank you, Brian. Uh, thanks for the great coverage. Question for the show. Can we make a historic compensation for DeForest Buckner? That's a good one. Um... He uh, he goes on to relate DeForest Buckner to Warren Sapp for his pass rush from the defensive tackle spot, part John Randall for his motor and leadership, and part Charles Haley for his body type. So that's high praise, he knows, but I can tell you how impressed he's been to to see what DeForest has done.
0: You know, Brian, that's a terrific question. Please send in more. Um, I'll go back to what I said earlier. That body type is so unique. You know, I find myself every single day when I'm out at Colts practice, I am in awe of how big DeForest Buckner is. And like, you know, I've been covering the Colts now for pretty much a decade. And I also have been in, you know, many NBA locker rooms. The size of athletes don't typically like, you know, I don't walk away like in awe, But just Buckner dwarfing everybody else in that defensive line room is so unique. And then he is not a stiff, athlete and like i think that's what's impressive to me because you know when you say you know body type yes haley but like when i think of like elite defensive tackles and this is by the way this is a great like build your player that you've labeled out here Mm -hmm. like i think of sap i think of aaron donald i think of like shorter stouter guys that have been really effective i don't think of six seven three hundred but that is what buckner is and i'll never forget um, going back and watching the Super Bowl and watching Buckner in the fourth quarter of that game against that offense, making plays sideline to sideline. And that really resonated with me of, you know, think about it. You haven't played in two weeks. Some people would say, well, you know, that means you're well rested. I think it's more of, you know, what's your wind like in the Super Bowl? I mean, think mm-hmm. about the pressure and just your nerves in that game. And in the fourth quarter, what do you like? And he's making sideline to sideline plays. So, Yep. You know there the, there's a reason Brian that he was a top 10 pick. I feel like we forget that as well. Like, you know, San Francisco clearly saw a whole lot with him to draft him that high. Um I think the comp that you laid out is is really really good and yep. Yeah, boy.
1: So he he kind of ties a bow on it with the question, you know, you've been covering the Colts for a
0: decade. Does he remind you of anyone when when you watch him play? No Not one no. you've seen before. No. I mean no one. I mean literally if you're going to pick the worst position in Colts history, I would probably argue defensive tackle is there. And and I know it's not a flattering comment, but it's just reality. Mm-hmm. Um, they have not had good defensive tackle play at any sort of rate compared to other positions. But no, there is... No, It's he's, he's Daniel Adongo's size, or I'm trying to think of just people that are as tall and long and look as freakish as him, but yet... You know, run, sub, five seconds in the 40, and, and probably the motor yeah, is the most impressive. Like, I mean, think about it. You know, growing up, you all had the big, you know, big fat kid on the team that would play, what, three snaps, and then he'd get tired and have to come out. Or, you know, you just, you just couldn't hold his own in the interior. Mm-hmm. And Buckner's playing like 90% of the snaps each week, 85% of the snaps each week, which is absurd. Yep.
1: All right, Jay asks our token QB question of the week. He says, hey, hey, Kevin, uh, how much you think Ballard is willing to give up in a trade for a QB, and who do you think they will like uh, in this draft? Or do you think they'll trade for a veteran QB like Stafford Carr
0: or please don't do this Colts, Carson Wentz? Boy, I think Wentz is such a polarizing figure in Colts fans' minds. I, was, um, I think Wentz is honestly one of the more intriguing guys of that group, but you know that I'm team draft mm-hmm. with it all. Um, this is something we'll get into more in the off season. I think trading up more than trading for a vet. Uh, but I will stress this a lot over the next four ish months. You've got to meet Chris Ballard's standards. And that's, I mean, boy, you talk about not wanting Chris Ballard as your father-in-law to date his daughter. I mean, he's got high standards folks yeah. and DeForest Buckner reached those standards, but there's not many players that, that reach his standards. So it, it's gonna take a lot, but the thing about Wentz is that Frank Reich connection and what Chris Ballard believes in Frank Reich. And like ACL injuries are just not it's not what it used to be. Like I don't think it's an injury prone thing with Wentz. You know, I talked about Monday. I worry about him being a bit scarred, but that dude was an M V P quarterback with Frank Reich. And think about the Colts this past year. They signed Phillip Rivers if it wasn't Phillip Rivers, it was Nick Foles, which, you know, will make you turn off the podcast. But that's Frank Wright connection. Like, yeah. there's a lot of trust and inherent belief there. So we'll get into the drafted QBs and the eligible guys later. But um, I, I still think trade, but I'm not going to uh, trade uh, draft-wise. But that's kind of what I would like. I, I could I could see something like this. But you also have to think about this, too. I still believe rivers is going to come back and you're not trading for Carson Wentz and then having him as your backup, making that type of money. Like you aren't doing that. Mm -hmm. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah.
1: Jay dud did ask, is there anyone that you do like in this draft? Is there anyone really quickly that sticks out to
0: you that you're keeping your eye on? Yeah. I mean, I, I I like Mac Jones um, in the range of kind of more of a realistic range. Um, I know he didn't play great against IU, but there's a lot of qualities that I'm attracted to about Justin Fields as well. Um, I would like to see Zach Wilson on a few more bigger stages. The Coastal Carolina game, there were some moments. A great bet on Coastal Carolina, by the way, yep. Ross. You know, I, I, I know, that was your call. I know, I, I felt good about that on a day when I was one and four in college football picks. Um, those are some of the guys. But man, we need S, We need conference championship games. We need bowl games. Yep. I need to see these guys on um on some of these bigger stages.
1: Totally agree. All right, Tanner. Tanner's in a good old-fashioned Twitter battle. He says, uh, I've been battling on Twitter with Colts fans for the past week who somehow think that Jacob Eason will just magically be handed the keys to our franchise next year. He even went so far as to wager $50 on it with someone he does not know. God, we got some chronic gamblers here. (laughs) So, Tanner wants to know, from your perspective, have you heard anything that would suggest that Eason is the guy for next year?
0: No. No, I I have not. Um, I would be – if you're going to make me pick week one percentage chance Jacob Eason is under center in 2021, yeah. I, I can't go any higher than 20. And, and I only say 20. Seems high to me. Yeah. I know. I only say 20, Ross, because of like, you know, a broken leg in training camp, you know, or just something wild that would happen there. Um, you know, actually, your your uncle got into a conversation with us earlier in the week about Jacob Eason. And I stress this point a lot with him. This will be um his third of fourth season in a row where he has not played as quarterback. You know, he transferred in 2018. He played what two games I think it was in 2017 before he got hurt. 2019. he played for Washington, and here's 2020, and he's not going to take a snap. So, I mean, think about that. You've played one season of quarterback in four years, and you're going to hand the keys to the franchise to him. without pre- I mean, he didn't play in the preseason this year, obviously. There wasn't a preseason. So I, I just cannot see that happening. Um, I've got something up on 107.5thefan.com, the Wednesday notebook, if you guys are listening to this later in the week, that um, I asked Frank Reich today about Jacob Eason, because like I was saying earlier, Philip Rivers has now missed three straight Wednesday practices that's good for Jacob Eason because that means Jacoby Brissett takes your starting reps and Eason takes your scout team reps. And I thought Reich made a really good point about that means Jacob Eason has seen the starting defensive line and the starting defensive line has seen the backup offensive line. Um, Good thing Jacob Eason is wearing red jersey, obviously. Mm -hmm. But what that means is he's dealing with some pressure and that's at least something. It's at least more, realistic reps is it still what you want him to be in where the red jersey's off no but at least is something so tanner um you made the 50 dollars bet that said he would not be correct okay good smart wager yeah. Tanner. i hope your friend does not listen to the podcast because no well it was is, with um, a random person on twitter so let's oh. hope that person is a real person i, I, I love twitter <laughs> even more after hearing that Jeez. um what's his name jack would be so happy oh man
1: all right, Matt. Uh, Matt asks, excuse me, um, who do you feel is the most underrated Colt so far this year? He goes into a little sentiment that he thinks the Bobby Okariki versus Anthony Walker difference in play always pops off the screen. Uh, the defense goes from elite to average, and it feels like the offense is kind of target Walker in, in coverage.
0: Yeah, that's a good point on on Bobby. I'd take Harvey Willis on defense as well, but to me, um, I'll go back to Braden Smith. Yeah, you know, I was talking to Nick, Nick Sirianni yesterday and asked him about Braden Smith, and you know, he mentioned how much better he's gotten in pass pro. I feel like he's been really, really reliable and solid. I just think back to that revolving door at right tackle. You know, Gostar, Shareless, and and I don't know, was it Winston Justice? And you know, you had I don't know, Muhort they tried out there at one point. Todd Harriman's, Joe Wright's, um, gosh, Denzel Good. I mean, Joe Hag. We can go on and on. Mm-hmm. So, Braden Smith for me.
1: Ghost Visible, what a name. Ghost Visible asks, hey, Kevin, I see that Rivers has severe turf toe and requires off-season surgery. What would happen if he had to get the surgery now and Jacoby played mm. until he came back? What would uh, what would that look like without Rivers? What would we look like without Rivers?
0: That's interesting. That's a good question there. Um, well, I'll say this. I don't think you beat the Texans on Sunday. Nope. You know, we talked about it earlier in the pod, Ross. Quick rhythm, 2.33 seconds. That's the ball. Time to throw for Rivers on Sunday. Fastest in the NFL in Week 13. And yet he's still over 75%. So it's not just he's just getting the ball out because it's hot potato. He's finding his guys. I I don't – he is a weapon in pass protection, Phillip Rivers, even though he runs as fast as I do. Like, yeah, you know, he just gives you that. So I don't think he beat the Texans. Uh, as I look at these final four games, I'd say uh, – I'll go with two and two. Yeah, I but yeah, I, I don't, man. I don't know. I think Texans are going to be, I, I would assume, motivated here a week from Sunday. But, mm-hmm. but you know what? With percent and how he QB sneaks it, maybe he's QB sneak it down the field <laughs> and, and and see what happens. Good three yards of play, you know. Yeah. Um, Brent. Brent wants
1: uh, to know about. He has a jersey question. So the Colts coming out and uh, they're blue out for the Texans home game. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um, he believes he's in the majority who prefer the blue color rush to the standard home jersey. Is there anything stopping the Colts from switching it to wearing it more? Can you think of a better color rush jersey? I was at the Colts color rush when they lost to the
0: Broncos last year.
1: Was that last year? Uh, a couple years ago. A couple years ago. Thursday oh. nighter. Oh, man, that was terrible.
0: And the Broncos wore the all orange. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was a great color rush game.
0: Yeah. That is the trivia question to the last running back to run rush for 100 yards against the Colts not named Derrick Henry. Do you remember? No idea. For the Broncos? No idea who to play running back for the Broncos. CJ Anderson Um, with a hundred yards on that December game. Hell, it probably was like, right. Honestly, it might've been December 9th. Now that I think about it, Um, (laughs) you wouldn't know. the Yeah. Okay. Ross, I don't want to sound harsh here, but I, uh, can I think of a better color rush Jersey than the Colts? Hell yes, I can. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't want, like want to rip the Colts uniforms too much, but I love the Rams. I love the, I love the chargers. I love the bills. I, I, yes, I don't, I don't know. The Colts color rush jerseys don't really get me going. I think powder blue Chargers color rush is probably my favorite. Incredible. Yeah. You can get Rosie a onesie of that for Christmas. That would be awesome. Um, Get her a Phillip Rivers Chargers onesie. Yeah, I mean, Grover Stewart. I I mean, Hot Rod. I don't even care who it is. Um, I I like the Colts when they do kind of the bucking Bronco on the helmet. I think we've talked about that that before, that Thanksgiving game against the Lions why don't they wear it more they're so steadfast in tradition yep you know it's just it's kind of it's kind of how they operate Pete ward and that uh and that family ursay family
1: mitch quick into the point question what's up with kamoko turry's snap counts
0: yeah i mean they're definitely low 10 4 and 9 i think are the first three games for him am i surprised by how low yes but i'll throw in the caveat ross of i mean how many third and longs have the colts forced opposing offenses into Um, now. Now, you know, Deshaun Watson was in a few of those on Sunday and I just think what it comes down to with Ture and I hit a little bit this on Monday is he's not the most disciplined rusher Uh and he's really just a speed edge rush guy. And think about the Colts safety they got. That was a stunt. That was Kenny Moore blitzing and Justin Houston stunting around. I think it was Autry on that play. Mm -hmm. So, like, they're very schematic in how they look at their rush lanes and and games. You know, rush games is is kind of the the phrase they use a lot. So, yeah, it's down, but I'm not stunned by it. Having said that, I would like to see it increase a little bit more. It's got to be right situations for the Colts to do that. And I just think if Ture, that's his fastball – If he developed a couple other pitches, that would only improve the fastball. Yep. And I think that's key for this team doing a little bit more in January. Agreed. Wyatt, uh, up next here, Wyatt
1: recognizes that mobile QBs seem to need less offensive line help. So since the Colts have the offensive line, is it easier for us to go after a guy who isn't as shifty in the pocket? Say someone like Sam Darnold or a guy like Jacob Eason, and then go offensive tackle with their first pick this upcoming year.
0: Um, interesting, Wyatt. I don't like it, though. Um, I'm just such a believer you need to make plays on third down off script. You need to make plays in the red zone off script. Um, Hell, short yardage off script as well. Uh, And and I don't think you're building around Jacob Beeson with that comment there. Um, But I I am not going to rule out offensive tackle at all there. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, you know... And you you know me, Ross. You've watched enough Notre Dame, Ian Book games with me. It's just... The guy, his ability to scramble and keep plays alive, it's just such a subtlety that Tommy Reese isn't necessarily drawing up on the whiteboard, but you know full well when he's radioing down, it's, okay, read one, two, three, and if you don't like it at two, don't be afraid to tuck that, Mm -hmm. and it's just such a weapon to have. We talked about this last Saturday,
1: or over Thanksgiving, two Saturdays ago, just about mobility in the quarterback position is becoming a necessity yes and you look at someone who i thought was more traditional like trevor lawrence and you made the argument to me that he is so mobile with his feet but it's something that it gets overlooked it's just something you need to have in your toolkit
0: yeah you you, you 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 do and I, I mean lawrence will test very well i expect yeah. him to run four six i'm not even like full on board you need to run four six like i just you know four eight is yeah. good for me. Like, it, it's not something that I think you need to be Lamar Jackson. But in today's NFL, with how defenses and just game plans operate and things like that, you've got to be able to do a little bit with your legs. You think you'd beat Philip Rivers in a 40? This will sound absurd, but I honestly think I could.
1: I think you could, too. I think you could. I think it'd be close, but I think you'd edge
0: him out. That means a lot. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> and I'd pay $50 to watch that 40 yard race. And, and I say this with uh, the full transparency that Philip, R- I believe, is a Hall of Fame quarterback. And obviously, there is no um, ripping of his ability to play the quarterback. His intellect, I don't think, is. I, I probably underestimated it, honestly. Yeah. He's incredibly smart. But yes, I think in 40 yards, um, yeah. Not, i'm putting my money on you and with the turf toe i think i might beat him by three or four I, yeah. I don't know three or four yards <laughs> all right last few
1: here and then we'll get into the raiders prediction and keys this one's comes from julius uh he feels terrible for the clark um which we all do but isn't chaz green better Seems like the pass protection has held up better with him. Also, Sunday's game was proof to me that we have to we have to package picks and get young a young quarterback. Likelihood of that happening.
0: Yeah. Um, I You know, I'm not ruling it out, Julius. You know, likelihood, obviously it's not going to be like 80% or something like that. But I do think, you know, Sunday was proof of that. And Chris Ballard had to be watching that, thinking that exact same thing. And I certainly watched it several times and had that thought. Is Chaz Green better? I mean, you know, it's like yeah i like i guess you know i was kind of ready to see him start he didn't have great moments on sunday he wasn't horrific horrific but mm-hmm. i mean the whole watson texans thing yeah i said this on the radio on monday the colts love to put someone in the ring of honor they, they need to put bill o'brien into mm. their own ring of honor the colts because that would be hilarious. they need to thank him for the inability for houston to properly build around yep. one of the more dynamic players in the nfl
1: yeah, unfortunately, he's not going anywhere, and O'Brien is out, so got a new chance to do it. Um,
0: it. You know, you think about it, Ross. If the Jags somehow get that number one pick, when I mean, you're looking at a division with Trevor Lawrence and, and Deshaun Watson for I the next 10 yeah. years, that is uh, that to me would want to force my hand if I were Chris Ballard. I don't know if that's the proper way to look at roster building, yeah. but I don't know how you don't look at your division and think, oh, geez, yeah. um, we, we, we need to do something. Thank our lucky stars for
1: Greg Williams' confidence <laughs> right? last week. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. All right. Um, Preston asks another QB question. If the Colts decide to draft their next QB in the draft, do they re-sign Rivers as a bridge QB, or do they go after someone like Fitzmagic, Trubisky, or another
0: mediocre QB um, next season? Thanks. Keep up the great work. Uh, thank you, Preston. Um, I, they re-sign Rivers. Yeah. As long as he wants to play. River, I mean, River says he loves Indy. He says uh, Monday, Tuesday, he's on pickup drop-off duty with the kids from school. They do Chick Fil A Tuesday coming home. Uh, he picks them up Friday. He's got him up there, I think, in the Westfield School District. And mm-hmm. He's loving life. He says he doesn't love that uh, he has to shut the door in the winter. Now he just can't leave it open, yep. which you know, welcome to the whatever uh, northern hemisphere, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's a re-signed Rivers. I agree. All right, last question here from P. King. How much would you give up to make Deshaun Watson a cult asking for a friend? Oh, I mean, I'd I'd give up the entire draft <laughs> next year. I yeah. would, yeah. I mean, what I love about Watson, too, is just I, I, I think it's a lot more than just his physical, natural gifts. I think there's a lot more um, to him as a professional that I like yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um. I mean, Chad Hansen. Ross. Yeah, I know. You,
1: I was about to bring it up, but I didn't want you, you talked on it so much last pod. I mean, who is he? he did he coach yeah. you in basketball growing up? It sounds like they just got him off like a lacrosse, you know, literally like, like a lacrosse team. Yeah, plays for, for the, John Hopkins yeah, or something. And, exactly,
0: He plays for the New England, you know, Storm yeah. of in the lacrosse. Yeah, I'm serious. Yeah. yeah. Whole draft, P Whole draft. I don't have to work during the draft. It'll be great. <laughs> we all can watch it, drink beer. He's worth. He's worth the whole draft.
1: Um, all right, that's it for Twitter questions.
0: you. Nice. Thank you guys for uh, for studying those in. Yeah, appreciate that. Another a few that um uh, that I kind of left in the can more long term. You know, we always try to throw in the the bigger picture long term stuff at the end, but uh we'll get uh, back into them Monday as as usual.
1: All right, massive week. We talked about it earlier. Huge huge week as every week will be down the stretch here. Let's get into some three keys for the game coming up here.
0: Yeah, the first one's be the bully um, I, I think you've gotten bullied by the Raiders the last two times you've faced them. You've, you've ironically faced them each of the last two years. They are a massive football team, particularly on the offensive line. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I had this down as a key, and then uh, I asked Philip Rivers just kind of takeaways from playing the Raiders. And, and, and he mentioned the, the the same thing about just how big they are, mm-hmm. which is, again, kind of funny from Rivers, who's 6'5", 240, to say that. Uh, having said that, they struggle with the pass rush. And one interesting little tidbit on their staff, their defensive line coach is Rod Marinelli. And I think most of our listeners will at least recognize that name. But the Colts connection there is Rod Marinelli is pretty much the mentor to Matt Eberflus, And Rod Marinelli was in Chicago with Chris Ballard. Hmm. So the trickle-down effect, think about that. You would think he knows pretty much everything that Matt Eberflus does defensively. I also think that they've had some success against the Colts as of late uh, offensively. And Gruden kind of grew up in this defense as well. You know, he's more of an offensive coach, certainly, but still, those Tampa teams, yeah. you know, played a variation of that. So I think that's something to watch. Second key is dis- disrupt the timing. Carr gets it out pretty fast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Frank Craig mentioned this earlier in the week, and I, I didn't believe him at first, but now I've gone back and looked at the numbers, and I kind of agree with it. I thought it was just typical, you know, coach speak on a Monday. Joey Molinaro doing his great video of you know every coach knowing they're going to blow out the team, but they act like they're the Super Bowl champs on a Monday. Derek Carr's had, having a really good season. It's borderline as good as the MVP year he was having until Trent Cole broke his leg on Christmas Eve oh, and, and yeah. uh, forgot about in, that in, in yeah. 2016. Um, Carr has fumbled the most of any quarterback in the league this season, eleven which stands out to me because he gets the ball out so quick. So I think you, you need to try and take advantage of that. Um, Darren Waller is the best tight end maybe in the NFL this season. Not he's, named Kelsey probably, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's been a flat-out stud. And and I would say the difference between him and Kelsey is just he doesn't have Tyree Kill and McCall Hardman around. Like He is the guy mm-hmm. um, for them. So when I say disrupt timing, a lot of it is taking away Waller early on. And then lastly, and you guys heard me talk about this on Monday, and it's just kind of a general key for the last four weeks, it's being a more consistent football team. And that's both sides of the ball. Um, you know, they – when you look at the Colts offensively and defensively, I said it earlier in the week, I couldn't remember the last time they've truly had a 60-minute effort. Probably the Lions I would now throw in there. I thought maybe Vikings-Jets, more I think about it, you know, for the vast majority of that game against the Lions. They have a few shaky moments and – the Leonard fumble in the third quarter was huge in that game. But I'd throw it that in there. But I just think it's such a monumental game. If you can be consistent, not only is that going to get you a huge win, I think it'll say a lot about potentially doing something in the month of January. Totally. Um so yeah, those are my those are my three keys. A little stat here for you. Oh,
1: look at you. Little stat here. Wow. For for from a first half perspective, four out of the five Raiders losses. They were down going into the half. Six out of the seven wins, they were leading going into the half.
0: Interesting.
1: So fast start is okay. absolutely required against those right. Raiders well, teams. On
0: my Instagram Live at halftime this Sunday, I might need to mention that, yep. it sounds like there. Ross Lovers, folks, you know, you know <laughs> he just doesn't work for less than Lee. He does a lot, a lot, lot more um, for our listeners out there. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot first. Prediction time, let's hear it. You said two and a half point favorite.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Colts win. 34-24. I think we take it to them.
0: You're going high scoring there.
1: Yep. I love the over. Um, I love the over. I think we get out to a fast start. I think Eberflus figures it out early. Um, and we limit them to probably 14 points in the first half. Come out with good second half adjustments. So I'm going Colts 34, Raiders 24.
0: You know, I'm curious to see the injury report from Vegas today. It, you know, they practice a lot later in the day, obviously, in the Colts because of the time difference. Josh Jacobs – it's a name to watch um Jonathan Abram as well even Trent Brown now that I think about it but Jacob especially I thought he ran really well against the Colts last season and you, it's funny when running backs are drafted in the first round and then I see him in person I'm like oh yeah that is kind of why you know people are crazy enough to take a running back in round one but they are the Raiders have struggled big time in uh points allowed they're 28 and Ross I think that game on Sunday was crazy emotional for them I mean think about it like you think the season is over because you've just lost the Jets in more ways than one. And Mm -hmm. then you come back and win the game, and then you're traveling cross-country home. That is an emotional game, as absurd as that might sound. And I think that kind of gets to them a little bit. I'm going Colts 30, Raiders 23, and uh, that win – really should help the Colts get into the playoffs. It, mm-hmm. it it won't 100% stamp it, but it'll get pretty darn close. Baltimore winning last night wasn't ideal for the Colts, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think they get it done. Yeah. It's a, it, this is a big statement game for their
1: confidence, right? This is a team that you know you expected to beat the Texans last week and you snuck away with one. This is a team that we, we talked about it earlier on the pod, but just their resume, they have some great wins. Have some bad losses, so you know to come out and hand it to them. Um, I think does a lot for this team's confidence going into January.
0: Lastly, I'll throw in this a um, couple things that I want to see the Colts here in the final quarter: Hilton and Taylor looking like number one and number number one wideout, number one running back. Uh, just the protection with or without Costanzo, whatever your O line looks like, being satisfactory because your quarterback can't move. Uh, defense showing up earlier in games it's regressed to kind of a number 9-10 unit, which I thought would happen, but, mm-hmm. again, you know, can you get back to being, you know, 6 or 7, something like that. And then lastly, just finishing games better. And that's probably more on the offense than anything, but I would throw that in there as well.
1: Ross, I appreciate it, brother. Of course. It was a lot of fun. Always always happy to play. To- to fill in here and I'm excited that Chris will be back with you next week.
0: Chris will be back next week. This will not be the last podcast Ross lovers. And I do during the month of December, we will be spending some family time together. So you will hear Ross again. Um, If you hate it, if you love it, send in the YouTube comments, he's got tough skin. He can handle it. (laughs) Give me all the feedback Uh, folks. Have a great weekend. Enjoy it. And we will talk to you Monday recapping Colts and the Raiders
1: go horse.